If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, uh, open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at a few portions of Scripture tonight, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start in verse number 18, just read a few verses. Um, as you're turning there, uh, Pastor Bill wanted me to mention um, for us to pray for a friend of Gospel Baptist Church, uh, Corey Roberts, and many of you know him. He was here at Gospel for many years, uh, had his kids in our school, and he recently, I guess they discovered that he has high, a very high white blood cell count and the possibility of leukemia. And so I believe he's in the hospital and they're trying to figure that out right now. And so I, I say that to you and Pastor Bill wanted to mention that to you so that you could pray for him. Now, if you were in the hospital bed tonight with a high white blood cell count and the very strong chance or possibility of having leukemia, would you want other people praying for you? Absolutely. And so let's do the same uh, for our brother Corey. Um, in fact, before we open up, let's just pray and ask God. And while I pray, why don't you pray uh, simultaneously and ask God to have mercy and his will to be done. Lord, we come to you tonight. We're just humbled um, uh, about life's mysteries and how uh, seemingly life can just be going on and feel like everything's just working out maybe the way it's supposed to and uh, maybe little to no problems. And then all of a sudden something uh, like this happens. and we have sympathy tonight for our brother Corey and for his family. We ask that you would give him mercy uh, during this time. Would you give the doctors wisdom as they figure out what's going on? And uh, we do, in simple faith, ask for healing and that his body would be healed. And uh, may it be even one of those situations where it's uh, unexplainable, that it's only explainable with God and that God would be uplifted and glorified through this situation. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, before we read that portion of Scripture, I going along with this sermon here, there were some statements that I looked up that people generally, I would say the majority of probably the population, believe are true. Statements that people believe are true. And maybe you even grew up believing some of these statements um, are true. For instance, if I think back to my childhood, I remember driving in the car at night with my family and maybe dropping a toy on the floor or, you know, wanting to write something down on a notebook or color on a, uh, a, a coloring book. And I remember reaching up and pressing the dome light on the interior of the car. And I remember my mom and dad just flipping out. Oh, no, you cannot do that. You have to turn that light off right now. If we drive by a police officer, they're going to pull us over. Now, I've asked several different people over the years if they had a similar belief or that was told to them. And really, how many of you have heard that before? Okay, look, a lot of folks, a lot of folks, folks, it's not true. You can drive around with that light on all you want. Nothing's going to happen at all. Now, I thought, well, maybe my parents knew that. I haven't asked them yet, but maybe they knew that and they just didn't want the light on because it bothered them or something. But, but it's something that people often believe are true, something, but it's really not. Uh, another statement that a lot of folks in society believe is that humans only use 10% of their brain. 
How many of you have heard that one before? Humans only use 10% of their brain. Now, if you get around certain people, <laughs> that may be true. I'm not saying it's, this is 100% factual, but you know, maybe for some. But really, we use 100% of our brain. Folks, we use 100% of our brain. We don't just use some small, uh, small section and, you know, the untapped human uh, um, intellect is, it, it's just, folks, we use 100%. Another one you may have heard was George Washington had wooden teeth. He did not have wooden teeth. You could look that up. I remember hearing that when I was a young child. Um, you've probably heard this one as well, that your parents told you don't touch baby birds. Because if you touch a baby bird, the mother's not going to come back. Now, I know I'm hurting some feelings right now, and there's probably a lot of people I could tell it got a little quieter. Some people are still, that's true. Don't touch a baby bird. Now, from what I looked looked up online, it said that's not true. You can go up there, grab the baby bird out of the nest, look at it, put it back, and the, and the mom's going to come back because mom loves her babies. That's what I, I haven't tried it. But from what the Internet says, and it must be true, that's just not true. So you go ahead and try it, and, but it's something that most people believe. How about this? Eating carrots will improve your eyesight. I know I was told that. Now, from what I researched, carrots do produce vitamin A, but your body can only take in so much. So, I mean, yes, they do help with the health of your eye to some degree, but really, you know, if you want to eat a carrot every day, it's not going to help you improve your eyesight. Your eyesight's pretty much going to be what it's going to be, regardless of that. Toads give you warts. Toads give you warts. I heard somebody the other day say that. Don't touch that toad. Usually comes from older ladies. That's going to give you warts. I always said, okay, I didn't want to touch them anyway, but they give you warts. Don't eat and then go swimming. I've seen a lot of articles about that. Don't eat and then go. I think that comes from parents who just didn't want to take their kids to the pool. And then uh, one that I had heard was throwing a penny. Don't throw a penny off the top of a tall building like the Empire State Building because it could kill somebody. And again, the terminal velocity of a penny is just not enough to kill somebody. It could hurt them. It would sting, but you could take pennies and throw them off the Empire State Building and nobody's going to die. But I remember my parents uh, telling me that. And so tonight, we're going to look at some statements that the world, the world believes. However, they're just not simply true, and they're not biblical truths and biblical facts. And I hope uh, that maybe some of those little illustrations I, I gave would help you remember uh, this sermon and remember some of these things that we're going to talk about tonight as we think about some of these beliefs that the world system has and society has that just aren't true. So 1 Corinthians... Chapter 3, starting verse number 18, it says, Let no man deceive, deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. The world believes that they have life figured out. You can go through, uh, you can go through uh, Barnes and Noble, not anymore because they just put a PGA Superstore in there instead, which is better than Barnes and Nobles, but you could go to a different Barnes and Nobles and 
You could go through any self-help section. You could find books upon books upon books about how you're supposed to live your life and uh, the way you're going to figure it all out. And mankind claims, psychology claims, that they've got it all figured out. However, the Word of God contradicts most, if not all, of what the world is teaching and promoting. The more mature that I get and the more I grow in Christ, the more I realize, because I think it is a growing factor, the more I realize and the more I discover that the Bible really is true. I know it's true. However, but as time goes on and the older you get, and those of you that have lived a Christian life for some time can look back and uh, it's your faith becoming sight. You see it unfold. And so my life for, for quite a bit of it has just been by faith. But as I grow and mature in circumstances and situations in life begin to progress, I begin to see that, yes, the Bible is true. Have you ever had an epiphany when you're sitting there and, and uh, something happens and you think, wow, the Bible is true? Sometimes I just sit back in my chair and I think, wow, the Bible is true. And I'm amazed by it. And it's just the truth. Um, there are certain things like, uh, you know, deal with a lot of situations in the school, um, in youth group for a number of years, uh, children's programs and those sort of things. And um, philosophy about dealing with young people and trying to help uh, kids mature and grow in Christ. And um, even just something as simple as casting out the scorner and, and you're going to have peace. My goodness, how many times, whether it be school, whether it be in youth group, did you try to hold on to somebody that was just causing problems and thinking, this is better? No, 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 it's better if they're here. And after they leave, it's, wow, there's peace. And what do I think? I think, I'm just so dumb. The Bible's true. Let's believe it. When I come across a portions of Scripture that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. And I look back and I think, wow, God provided for that person and for that person. This person had a, a very special need. God met every need. The Bible's true. When I come across people who have lived a life of sin, and you think, and their life is just going on as if nothing really happened, no judgment. And then all of a sudden, the judgment starts to pour in, and you reap what you sow. And what do I sit back and I think, the Bible is true. I've in faith believed it, but now it's sight. I've seen folks who have lived their life for the Lord. Let's, let's think about reaping and sowing positively. I've seen folks who have lived their life for God. And oh my goodness, what a beautiful end that they have because they believe the Bible and the Bible is true. Matthew chapter seven talks about two different roads. We're very familiar especially a Sunday night crowd with that story, the broad road and the narrow road. One road is very wide. It leads to destruction. One road is narrow. It's very small. It's difficult, but it leads to life. And as time goes on, we discover that if the world believes something, most of the time it's not true. Christians, you understand that, right? Most of the time when the world is heavily promoting something, Nine times out of 10, I'm going to even say 10 times out of 10, it's not true. It is not true whatsoever. And so if the world is for it, we 
are probably going to be against it. So tonight we're going to look at a few statements. I have five of them. I have no idea what time is going to permit, but we're going to look at a few of them nonetheless and uh, see if this will help some of you as it has helped me. We're going to look at five statements that the world believes, generally speaking, the world believes, and then we're going to compare it with what the Scripture says um, with truth from the Word of God. The first one is a very, very popular one. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Now, some of these, you're going to say, well, I've heard these in a variety of different areas. You could go to maybe Hobby Lobby. You could go to... (laughs) You could go to uh, Michael's, you could go to any of these home decor stores, and you would see signs with all these different phrases all over them. Uh, You may go, and I see bumper stickers from time to time with some of these. Um, And one of them that is very popular is follow your heart. However, that is actually a very, very horrible, let me say this, horrible piece of advice. However, it kind of at surface sounds pretty good. I mean, for instance, we've, ladies, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. The Hallmark movies that you enjoy and love to watch. Usually in a movie like that, there's something that comes along where we know the routine. They're all pretty much the same. They are the same. Different characters, different storyline, but I mean, same storyline, but different circumstances. And this woman is debating between maybe this guy or this old dirtbag boyfriend, right? And she's got to make this choice and some little old lady in there, you know, grabs the girl's hand and says something like, just follow your heart, honey, just follow your heart. And in that moment, oh, great. Hey, that sounds good. But really, it's drummed up to be something that it's not. And those type of things, by the way, just aren't reality. They just are not reality, just pure entertainment for you ladies. But it's just... Horrible, horrible advice to follow your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, we know the verse, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately, wicked. Who can know it? It means who really can understand it? Who can really trust your heart fully? The heart in the Bible is mentioned somewhere around 300 times in Scripture. Um, For us, we know it simply means an organ that keeps us alive, pumps blood, and circulates blood throughout our entire body, keeping us alive. Um, However, uh, it's used in the sense throughout the Bible, and obviously throughout history, uh, different people groups believed it to be the center of your emotions, the center of your emotions. And so follow your heart really just means do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Again, not very good advice. Here's the deal. There's problems with trusting a heart, and there are problems with the heart. First of all, it's just not reliable. The heart is not reliable. It's sinful. It's wicked. Can, you, can we say together, I am sinful and wicked? Can we say that together? I am sinful and wicked. It's something that we have to be reminded of. I have to be reminded of. But our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Follow your heart. Can you imagine with me for a moment if we went to our small children and I gave them that advice? Seriously. Could you imagine if I gave my small three little children, follow your heart? Terrible, terrible advice. I'm going to give you an illustration about something that happened. I think it'll, it'll help us get the point across. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had some family members in town. In my house, we had six small children. 
six small children. We went and we started playing a game. And this was a little two-player game. It was a little racing game. And the adults were playing it. And we gave an opportunity. Okay, now it's time for the kids to play. When we began to say it was time for the kids to play, we both about got tackled to the ground for these small kids trying to grab the controller out of our hands. They were following their heart. They were following their heart, doing what they wanted to do. Not one of those little kids, two of them are just too small, they can't even play it anyways. Not one of them said, I want to volunteer to be last so that, you know, everybody else gets a turn first. Not one of those young people did that. When the race got over, and they're short, about 60 seconds or so, when they got over and it was the next kid's turn, we about had to pry the controllers out of the kid's hands that had it in it to give it to the next kid. Folks, the heart is deceitful. By nature, we are wicked, sinful people. And we only care really about ourselves and our own lusts and our own desires. Our hearts are wicked. Uh, The problem with the heart, not only is it not reliable, it's not trustworthy because it's sinful and wicked, um, tainted, of course, by the curse of sin um, that has encapsulated our world, but it's also our hearts and our emotions, they are impulsive. They are very impulsive. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That verse would not be in there if we were not impulsive people by nature. And if we didn't naturally try to follow our hearts instead of follow the truth of the word of God. Following your heart will get you in trouble. In a world of trouble. Have you ever said something impulsively that you wish you could take back? Your emotions got over you. You were presented with a situation and you just lashed out and said something that as the words were coming out of your mouth that you wish you could grab. Or once you cooled off from the situation, you think, man, I just should not have said that. Our hearts, folks, do not follow your heart. Our hearts are impulsive, are impulsive. They're impulsive. We often like to do things like get in other people's business. We hear about something that's going on, and next thing you know, we're getting our opinion or we're bypassing the biblical route of dealing with a situation and how the Word of God says if a brother's offended, he's supposed to go to that person and deal with it one-on-one. But we like to bypass that, and we're just going to take care of it for him, right? Yeah, because our emotions get involved and we follow our heart and our heart bypasses biblical principles and biblical standards and we end up hurting ourselves and hurting others in the process. Our hearts are impulsive and it is a problem. Not only are they impulsive, but they're also contradictive. They're one thing today. Our emotions and our heart is believes one thing today and the next day it's something totally different. Many people, they make decisions in life just depending on what side of the bed they roll out of. Some mornings, they wake up happy, and everything's just great. Some mornings, they wake up sad, and it's terrible. Some days, it's grumpy. Some days, they're real cheerful. Some days, they're courageous. Some days, they're wimpy. I mean, have you ever met somebody that wears their heart, so to speak, on their sleeve? Maybe they 
I don't have anybody in mind. Please, folks, those don't be thinking about the office staff here. But you ever met somebody maybe comes into the office and they're here today and you're, you're thinking to yourself, I wonder what kind of mood they're going to be in today. You know, you never know. There's people that we get around where they just let their heart govern themselves and our heart is often contradictive. Now, those of you that have been in sports, um, particularly I heard an interview about uh, a boxing coach and he was telling one of his students not to get angry during the fight. Now, you got to be under control. You can't let your heart and your emotions take over. Now, I, I don't know those of you that have been punched in the face before know that it's very hard to keep your cool when you just got punched in the nose. I mean, it's very hard. All you want to do is you just go over there and just be out of control and, you know, whip the snot out of the other person. However, if you're going to win a boxing match, that's not the way you do it. You have to be cool, calm, and collected. You cannot follow your heart. Life is filled with situations that are coming your way and my way that are going to knock us off balance. They're going to come and they're going to surprise us. And how we respond is utterly important, whether or not we're going to pause, compare with the Word of God, or yet we're going to follow our emotions. Uh, Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart, these were Jesus' word, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. That's what comes out of your heart. That's what comes out of my heart. Those wicked, vile, evil things. If you still believe that following your heart is a good and sweet idea, think about it this way. We're going to apply it to some basic life decisions. Basic life decisions. First of all, we could apply it to moral choices. Moral choices. Simple things like lying, telling the truth, or telling just a white lie. Following your heart. Hmm, what should you do? Should you do what's right or follow your heart? Obviously, you should do what's right. I've told this story before. I can't remember if I told it in prayer meeting um, or if I told it in here. It's been a couple years, but there was a famous basketball coach named John Wooden. How many of you know who John Wooden was? Yes, UCLA basketball coach. Now, um, my basketball coach uh, told me this story, and I haven't forgot it since. Um, he was a man of character, man of uh, dignity, tried to do what's right, and seemingly do what's right when nobody else was looking. Professed to be a Christian. Um, again, went on to win five championships at UCLA. Uh, before he got real famous and his career took off, he began to work up the ranks, coaching high school and different things. He had went out to, I believe it was UCLA, to interview. And, um, and you know, he was waiting to hear back from UCLA. And so he goes back home and uh, there was also this other small little maybe Division three, let's say, college that was really just a no-name-nothing college that he had talked about and, you know, looked into a little bit. Um, but weeks began to pass, and he was expecting to get a phone call from UCLA, and that was going to say, hey, you got the job or you didn't get the job. So the deadline passed. And he thought, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting the job. The phone rang. It was the other small school that had little to no opportunity for him. They called and they said, Mr. Wooden, we'd love for you to come coach our basketball program. He says, okay, I'll do it. He hung up the phone and no, no sooner than when he hung up the phone, it rang again. 
it was the big name school calling him back and saying, Mr. Wooden, we've been trying to reach you for days. <laughs> the weather's been terrible. The phone lines have been down. And they just now got it up and we want to give you the opportunity to have this job. And he says, I'm so sorry, but I gave my word to this other college. And you know what? I need to stick by my word. He went and he coached there, served his time there. And again, you can see how I believe God blessed him for his faithfulness and character-driven life. Most people would say, ah, it's no big deal. Everybody will understand. Follow your heart or do what's right. I think we ought to do what's right. In relationships, should you follow your heart? or stick to biblical truths. Young people, don't, don't give young people the advice of following your heart. They'll go out and marry some unsaved person, unsaved man or unsaved woman. That, that's not good. Following your heart right there is, is terrible. Don't, don't tell married people, follow your heart. They'll leave this spouse and go somewhere else. That's where following your heart goes. It's not wise. It's not smart. It's not biblical. Sexuality, why do we have all the trouble we're in today in our society? Follow your heart. That's why we got homosexuality seemingly rampant, although I don't necessarily think it is. I think it's the minority screaming and making themselves out to be the majority, which they're not. But definitely we're seeing a rise in that type of behavior and lifestyle. Transgender, just follow your heart. Do what you want to do. And again, you've seen the studies, I'm sure. People, after they followed their heart, it contradicted itself and wanting to reverse all that harm they've done to their body. It's a terrible thing. How about when it comes to decision-making? Should we follow our heart, life's decisions on where to buy a house, what house to buy? I looked up today, debt in America, the average, in 2022, the average debt in America was $96,371. The average debt. That's from people following their heart. Now you could say, well, some of that is mortgage and this and that, and okay, I, I get all that. But but Americans are out of control on debt. Overspending is what I should say. Not mortgaging house, but overspending. Out of control. Just following our heart, doing what we think is right. We were talking, um, I did a lesson a week or two ago in our chapel. And Thomas and I have been going through uh, this curriculum, nice curriculum with the young people. And my week went over the story of, of Ruth. And let me remind you uh, a, little bit of that, of a little bit of that story. Naomi and her husband move over to Midian because there was a little bit of a, a famine, I believe. They move over to Midian. Um, their two sons end up marrying two Midianite daughters. Okay, all three of those men ended up dying. Naomi says, you know what, I got some family back in, uh, there was another famine in Moab. So they said, ah, you know, I got some family back in Bethlehem. Let me go over there. And those two now widowed girls, seeming to be young ladies, Naomi gave them a choice. Will you stay with me or why don't you go back and you can stay here with your people? Again, they were Moabites. Her staying with her people, both those two ladies, would give them the best chance possible, the best chance possible that they were going to get remarried again and be able to have a family of their own. And one chose to go back. Ruth chose to stay, not to follow her heart like the other lady did, but 
purpose and out of character said, I'm staying with you, Naomi, no matter what happens. It, where you die, that's where I want to. Where they bury you, that's where I'm going to be buried. They said, your God is now going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. And Ruth, character-driven, chose to take care of Naomi. And if it, not, if it had not been for her character-driven lifestyle, instead of going by her heart, she would not have married Boaz. She would not have had a family of her own. And those of you that know the story, Ruth married Boaz. Boaz had a son, which was the great-grandfather of David, King David. All because she chose to live a character-driven life instead of driven by her emotions and her circumstances that she faced. Folks, don't follow your heart. Be character-driven, character-driven by the Word of God. The world says, follow your heart. Jesus says, what does he say? He says, follow me. Matthew 19, 21 says, Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast and give it to the poor that thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Folks, I've been wrong a lot in my life. I'll be the first to tell you that. You can ask my wife, she'll agree. I've been wrong a lot in my life, a lot. But I've never been wrong about following Jesus. You folks are never, ever going to be wrong with following Jesus. First thing is follow your heart. The second one, and this will be the last one that we go over here tonight. A phrase that often gets promoted by the world, be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Kind of sounds pretty good to some degree, but compare it to the Bible, not so much. Be true to yourself. The world says, don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Don't live up to anyone else's expectations or standards. Be true to yourself. Make your own choices and live the way you want to live. That's what's being promoted. Turn on the TV. Go on your social media accounts. Just go to the grocery store and see the way people live and act. That's what's being promoted. However, being true to yourself leads to destruction. The theme of Judges was what? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It seemed like Israel was back on the right track after Moses had passed away and uh, Joshua took the lead as they went into the promised land and began to generally conquer the land uh, of Israel there and the land of Canaan. Joshua falls off the scene and what happens? Everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. Over and over and over and over and over. In the book of Judges, we see, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's where America is at today. Every person just doing what they think is okay. Trusting themselves, being true to themselves. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The end thereof are the ways of death. Every man, every woman... Every boy, every girl is going to be held accountable for their actions. Now, God, God 
will allow you and I to make the wrong choice. God will allow you and I to make the wrong choice. He's not going to force your hand. I mean, he can put some pressure on you. He knows how to do that. I mean, we see that in the life of Jonah, didn't we? Yeah, God put some pressure on Jonah. We see uh, folks often like to jump to, oh, well, you know, Pharaoh. says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. If you look back throughout that whole thing, Pharaoh's heart began to grow hard multiple times. Yes, situations around him were tough and he was pushed by God, but he hardened his own heart. And his heart began to grow hard through his own circumstances. And you and I, we're going to be held accountable for each and every one of our own choices, whether they be good, as the Bible says, or whether they be bad. Free will comes with a price. We love having free will. I like to make my own choices. I was telling the young people in our chapel service, they're just chomping at the bit to have freedom, especially when they get 16, 17 years. They just want to live by, live, uh, by their own rules. They want to just do what they want to do, live life the way they want to live life. But they don't understand yet the responsibility that comes with that and the consequences for wrong decisions and then, of course, the positive consequences for right decisions. But the free choice that we have been given comes with a high responsibility. Mark 16, 24 This is what Jesus' response to be true to yourself. Then Jesus said unto, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Christians who are right with God are not going to be true to themselves. They're going to be true to the one who saved them. Is there some truth we could get to that? Not worrying about what people think? Yes. As Bible-believing Christians, we ought not to be worried about what the world thinks about us. We ought not to. We ought to only be concerned with what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks about us. Let him take up his, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Some have the idea that God just wants me to be happy. That's promoted heavily in other Christian circles. Heavily. God just wants me to be happy. He just wants you to be happy. First of all, he did make me happy by dying on the cross for my sins, rising again, giving me the opportunity to be saved. And yeah, I'm going to be happy for all eternity. Absolutely. But this life is filled with trouble and filled with difficulties. And there are going to be things that come by your way that are not always going to be pleasant. What did uh, Jesus say? He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and I'm going to give him a great retirement. No. Folks, he didn't deny himself and he's going to have great health forever. Deny himself and he's going to be financially independent. Have financial freedom. No. Let him deny himself and what? Take up his cross and follow me. Christians who are right with God are not being true to themselves or being true to the one who saved them. It's a, it's a process of self-denial. So, taking up a cross, by the way, is not something pleasant. The Jews, they knew exactly what he was talking about. The Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. They had seen it time after time after time as the Romans had brought Jews to be nailed to a cross and to die. They knew the pain 
in the torment that Jesus was referring to. And Jesus may call us to endure some hard things. And when push comes to shove, I hope to God. I don't want to speak out of turn and say I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful and true to the end, but I hope I will. And I hope you will as well. Our society has promoted this me first mentality. Me first. Be true to yourself. Who cares about anybody else? That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the first and greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second commandment is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What has our society lost today? They've lost a love for God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And secondly, they've lost a love for their fellow man and their fellow woman as as much as they love themselves. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Folks, I hope these two things that we went over tonight, um, as the world tries to shove these ideas and these uh, beliefs down your throat, don't accept them. We have an opportunity right now to be different than the world. You've heard the, the saying, the darker the night, the brighter the light. We get to stand up, and again, as times get more difficult, and I think we all know where it's going, as times get more difficult, A world around us is going to be looking for something with substance. They're going to be desiring and looking for truth. May they find it in Jesus Christ and in the members and friends of Gospel Baptist Church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you found us when we were uh, undesirable, when we were wicked, when we were evil, when we were undeserving, and you picked us up out of a place of uncertainty and you placed our feet upon a rock. We're so thankful how you've transformed our lives and given us not only life eternal, but given us a really just fabulous life here on earth. So thankful for the group of believers that you allow us to have here at our church and the heart that these folks have to follow you. May we be a testimony to the world around us, uh, even this week, next month. May you remind us of these uh, truths that we work, that we began to learn. May those that are immature in the faith, may you convict them and cause them to be skeptical of the agenda that the world is trying to push down their throats. May we live in a way that's pleasing to you. May we not be true to ourselves, but we but may we be true to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.